to inspire images in our minds for the future of Africa, right? Um, I'm really excited to be here. It's so great to have every one of us here once again. Thank you so much for joining in. Um, this is going to be another exciting day, right? So as usual, we are, it's almost four o'clock and um, we'll begin directly on four, right? We'll start exactly by four today. So just have two minutes till four o'clock. Uh, it's going to be an exciting time today. Okay, so let's remember to stay mute um, so that we can have an amazing session today and no breaks in between. So as we normally do, right, express your excitement in the chat section. Let me know how you are feeling, how has your day been? Tell me where you are listening in from. Um, tell me what your expectations are for today. You can also give a little recap of how yesterday was. Um, yesterday was another exciting time. We dealt with um, a really exciting idea, something that was very, um, very disruptive, you know, in line with the venture metrics for the future of Africa proposition, right? We talked about the rise of institutions, right? Um, and just like in our stages of development, today we will be dealing with the ecosystem, right? The ecosystem that I've been mentioning about since the time we started learning about the enabling environment. So, that is what we'll be doing today. That's what we'll be doing today to, to, um, to, to further in this discussion on the venture matrix for the future of Africa. So I'm saying hi to everyone, both on Google Meet, on YouTube, and on Zoom right now. Timothy, good evening. Triumph, good evening. Um, who else can I see? Okay, I can see more people joining in. So we're just going to give five minutes for people to join in so that um, we can begin for some questions, right? So let's jump right into it, right? So today, we're discussing Series 5, right? Series 5, the ecosystem. And if you remember, the ecosystem is the combination of what an enabling environment is, is the relationship, right? The, the continuous relationship, the continuous interaction, the continuous multi-different outplay of relationships between an enabling environment and what? Institutions that have been created. In simple words, it means when we create an enabling environment for students to be able to, to create and exchange value, and then we have created institutions to now to, to now um, regulate, to now standardize and distribute economic power and decentralized power, right? Once those things start to interplay together, you now have what? An ecosystem. An ecosystem is an interplay of different parts, right? Giving or contributing to what? A certain outcome. Just like how you have um, the, the, the industry ecosystem, like where you hear the tech ecosystem. So the tech ecosystem includes the, the every stakeholder in the value chain, 
all the resources in that value chain, the technological competence, technological skills, and all of that. So that's what makes the ecosystem. So like in the tech ecosystem, you have the talents, you have the employers of labor who are the innovators, you have the tech itself, you have the tech policies and regulations, you have the government, you have um, investors. So those, those, those independent um, those independent or those seemingly independent factors, right, interplaying, right, within that space, within that ecosystem called tech, right, or tech value creation is what you call an ecosystem, right? So in the venture matrix proposition for the future of Africa, young people or the undergraduate community would unlock the economic power by the creation of what an economic ecosystem. So once we have an enabling environment for value creation, and then the rise of institutions to decentralize economic power, then we have an economic ecosystem that will benefit both our, our, our local, national, and even international identity as a people, right? All from just fixing this one fundamental issue, right? So through the stages of development, right? This happens to be the fifth stage. So once we've, we've, we've um, crossed the first um, three or four stages, right, this is just, so what happens after we have built institutions, right, is like an outcome, is like, um, is like the result. Do you understand? So what's, the remaining part of the series is like what happens as a result of the fundamental things we've done, right? So when we have groundbreakers, right, define the norm, right? When you have communities that are getting awakened, right, to now inspire people to now start what developing um, an enabling environment, right, and then we now build institutions, right. When we do all these things, when they begin to work together, right, you have an outcome called an economic ecosystem, right, or as in this proposition, a microeconomic um, um, ecosystem built right to solve and or to bridge an economic gap i hope this makes sense right if this makes sense and i'm ready to jump right into the article let me know in the comment section say go 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 so that we can jump right into the article and then we can dissect the ideas in the article all right i'm seeing your comments thank you so much all right amazing awesome 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 you can still share the invitation link to your friends to join in so that we can have um, a robust representation in the room. But we, we move, we move still, right? So let's jump right into the article, right? So the Venture Matrix for the Future of Africa, Series 5, The Ecosystem. So I've been able to break down what the fundamental idea behind this piece is and fundamental idea behind what an ecosystem is, right? Especially within the context of the value of the Venture Matrix for the Future of Africa. Now, one other thing I need to mention is that while developing this piece, the central idea is to highlight the importance of, number one, creating an enabling environment, and number two, the rise of institutions, right? And then the outcome of when these two things interplay. When you start seeing these two elements interplay, that's when you have an ecosystem. So an ecosystem is not balanced if it doesn't have an enabling environment or several enabling environments, and then institutions to regulate the outcomes of these environments, right? So basically, this piece is just about the relationship between an enabling environment 
and the rise of institutions. As simple as that. The simple relationship between groundbreakers, the innovators, communities, um, enabling environments. So those, those, uh, so it's majorly the two, right? Which is enabling environment and rise of institutions, but it also encompasses stakeholders like the investors, the students who are creating, and then the communities who are giving support to this innovation class and the rest of that. So let's jump right into the article, right? So I hope you understand. If you do not understand, let me know in the comment section. But if you understand, just tell me, go, 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 go already. Right? I need that energy for me to know that we are together and we're speaking one language. All right, all right. All right, I can see I can see it's flooding the chat section now. Thank you so much for always sharing the energy, right? So the venture metrics for the future of Africa series five, the ecosystem. Right? We're gonna jump right into it now. In the in the late quarter of 2019, right? So if you remember in the previous piece, um, which is rise of institutions, I was telling I was I was I, I described how I had to change my focus from solving the value creation end of the conversation about young people to focus on what talent supply because it was the dominant conversation at that time, right? But in the late end of 2019, I decided to, I got an opportunity that refocused my perspective, my, my, it, it, it redirected my focus rather to this value creation side that has now evolved into the venture matrix for the future of Africa, right? So that's what I was trying to explain here, right? So let me just read on. In the late quarter of 2019, I was privileged to renegotiate my vested interest in the value creation side of the conversation about young people in Africa. The opportunity to explore this interest came as an unexpected invitation facilitated by my friend, Calvin Umechuku, to train the teams participating in the Hulk's Prize Competition Challenge case. This quickly moved into the privilege to be the lead trainer and mentor to the 72 registered teams participating in the preliminaries, shortlisted to 15 competing teams and three finalist teams for the Hot Prize competition of Bafemi Awolowo University. Now, I enjoyed experiencing the enthusiasm expressed by these undergraduates and the, the organizing team for building solutions and exploring the possibility of its economic and socioeconomic impact. So what I was trying to say there was, in the late end of 2019, exactly November 2019, my friend Kelvin Umechuku, who was invited actually to be um, a speaker and I think also uh, a judge, right, on the Hot Prize competition, was, was not able to make it. And I had been out of the scene for a while because my focus was on talent, uh, was on talent side. So I was strictly working with startups and all of that. So I hadn't been in that scene. And Kelvin reached out to me saying he felt strongly that I needed to be the one to do it, that um, I was, I, I needed to be the one to do that. So he recommended me once again, and they were like, oh, awesome, that they were even looking for how to connect to, with me already. So um, I decided to, to, to be um, a mentor, right, to help the teams understand the, the case and help them develop their solutions for what was sustainable and viable, right? And that quickly evolved to an invitation to also be a judge on, 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 the, on the competition, right? So that was what I was basically trying to say, say there, right? And I was really inspired by, you know, I had been the mentor for Holtz Prize in the previous years, right? That is 2017 and 2018. But what was different is that I noticed a change in enthusiasm. People were more excited. People wanted this more. People were more into it. They were, they were giving more efforts 
burning more of their night candles because of this. So I, I knew that a change had dramatically happened and it was time to explore the value creation side of this, uh, of this, um, of this conversation. And simply put, right, we had 72 teams registered. That 72 teams means that one team is made up of three or four people. So that is 72 times four people were actually participating to create solutions, right? So it was a lot of teams that registered. So we had to first create a preliminary session where we wanted to, you know, screen out those who could participate and those who couldn't who could participate, right? We, so we were able to shortlist 15 teams to actually compete. We now ended up being three finalists at the finals, at the grand finals um, on campus, right? But what did that explain to me is if there were 72 people who were excited about building solutions that both made profits and solved social problems, we just needed to create an enabling environment for them, create a support system for them, and these solutions can actually improve the health of that economy in that university and then the host economy. So I was just inspired, like, Toyin, this is the right time. You need to actually do this now, right? 72 themes. That was, it was really, I was really inspired. That's what I was trying to say in that segment of the piece. I enjoyed experiencing the enthusiasm expressed by this undergraduates and the organizing team. So the organizing team were also a team of more than 70 people organizing this event. And it was exciting, you know, on a normal, on average, you have maybe 30 people, maybe 15, maybe even 10, maybe even just five, organizing the whole event. But this time, they were up to 70, right? So it was, it was exciting. It was exciting to see the enthusiasm. We were excited to see that they were really into the Holt Prize idea, right? I know someone might want to say it was because of the $1 million, but um, trust me, everybody there knew that it was only one person who had a competing chance. But they still gave it their all. They still gave it attention. And they actually built amazing products amazing business models, amazing suggestions that I felt even beyond the Hulk's price could have been sponsored and funded. But, you know, that was not the case. And, you know, that's why I was really inspired and driven to really pursue this proposition, right? So, as I said, it became more exciting when I got the invitation to be a judge at the finals, deciding which team had the solution that most aligned with the theme focus for the year. This story is significant because it brings to four the deterogonist revealing its potential. So what I, exactly what I've been explaining, right? That it really brought to my, to my eyes, to the forefront, that this undergraduate community was ready, that this undergraduate community was ripe for a revolution, right? So this story is significant. Okay, so I had been the lead trainer and mentor for Hot Prize Obafemi Awolo University since his maiden edition in 2017. But I had never seen that degree of receptiveness enthusiasm and response from the Obafemi Awolowo University community before. And that signaled to me that a change was happening. Now, these statistics will blow your mind because I'm even sure I underrated them, right? So the change was happening, right? So with 6,000 plus students recorded to have been engaged through the series of events and campaigns and final competition ceremony, hosting over 3,005 undergraduates in attendance through about nine hours spent at Oduduwai Hall. So nine hours spent at Oduduwai Hall seems ridiculous until you start to account for the time that the organizing team had to spend at the event, creating the whole um, event experience, inviting the guests, hosting the guests, um, organizing everything, right? Plus the amount of hours we had to spend deliberating 
on the on the on the presentations by the by the participating teams and evaluating the ideas and giving a final um, final uh, decision on the on the finalist teams and then you start to account for the amount of hours again spent on you know the entertainment the frivolities and then the hours spent again awarding every judge that came you know so we spent literally if not more than nine hours at Odudua Hall that day so it was amazing to see 3,005 in fact I heard that 3,005 is actually underrated that they had almost 5,000 students in attendance who were coming and going for one single event it was amazing to see right it was it was really it was it was it was it was a defining moment for me and it was the biggest inspiration for me to actually start to explore this conversation right so as i said this triggered the spark for exploring the value creation side of the conversation again but an interesting opportunity posed an an exciting distraction so what i was trying to say is that you know as at the time where late at the at the late hour of 2019 which was november when i was invited to be a judge and um on, on the on the hot prize um, challenge case final competition um, the competition right the final competition right um i got distracted once again because for one time i felt like an opportunity presented itself to finally explore that talent um talent supply side of the conversation one more time before delving fully into the value creation uh, problem, right? Which was when I got a co-founding um, engagement with Student Build Africa. So that's what I meant by this last line, right? That this regard is part of exploring the value creation side of the conversation again, but an interesting opportunity. So that opportunity was Student Build Africa, right? To build that um, infrastructure, right? So that, that's what I, I meant by pose and exciting distraction. So once again, I decided to explore the talent side and not until last two months, did I now finally focus on this value creation and that's what I was basically trying to say there. Right? So as you can see in the piece, you can see the different images, right? Of see the, see the thousands of students, right? Present in that hall. The hall was filled to the brim and students could not even find seats coming in anymore. So it was a really exciting thing to, to see. Even after the event, the whole place was, 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 was crammed up with students, right? over a competition. So it was amazing. Like this is not even your normal entertainment event or anything. So it was, it was beautiful to see that students were ready, right, for innovation and change. That's, that's what I was trying to say in that first paragraph. So in November 2019, I joined the Student Build Africa team, recognizing that it was well positioned within the edtech market. So if you remember positioning, I discussed in edtech market, that um, because the edtech market was just getting mature, it was a right time to explore what the learning environment or enabling environment aspect of the edtech market, right? So that one was not early to market. It was right on time. So that's what I was trying to say in this first paragraph, right? That in, 20, in November 2019, I joined the Student Build Africa team, recognizing that it was well positioned within the edtech market and the opportunity in the market to create an enabling learning environment to solve the talent supply side of the conversation. So the core idea was to find a way to shape and change the narrative about the talent supply side of the undergraduate community across sub-Saharan Africa. That's what we're trying to do as Student Build. Um, that, in fact, that's, that's actually the vision of Student Build, is to change the narrative about young people across sub-Saharan Africa. Right? So we thought to ourselves that the existing mediums designed to solve this problem were not dealing with the root cause of the problem, which was the lack of an enabling environment 
suitable to bridge the gap of the talent supply with the demand for talents to explore Africa's growth potential. So, I, in, 20, in 2018, I read a book by Brookings, a, a, an article by Brookings, talking about Africa's growth potential, right? And then talent supply to bridge that gap, right? So I had to do a review of that article in 2018. Yes, while, 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 while I was working at, at Utiva. Right, that's what I was, I was making reference to here. That most times people think that the problem, right, with talent supply in Africa is that we don't have talents, right? Or is that young people are unemployable, right? But that is actually not the actual problem. The problem is that there is no enabling environment for the actual talent development. There's no sufficient enabling environment. That is why Andela can survive in Africa because what it deals with creating what a learning environment to solve that. It's not about employability. It's not just about skills, right? It's about, it's about exploring the human potential for development of every talent in Africa. So that was what Student B was trying to solve, and that's what I was trying to explain there. That for us to bridge the gap that needs to actualize Africa's growth potential, we need to create an enabling environment for young people to develop their talents, not just developing the talent itself. It's about the enabling environment. If we've learned, as I described about the power of environment, um, in series in series three, right? Uh, in series three, right? The matrix, right? When we understand the power of environment, then you can relate to this conversation. If you've not listened into it, please go listen to series three, the matrix, to understand the power of environment and why I can say it with my chest that the problem with Africa's talent is not that we don't have talent, but the problem is that we don't have enabling environments created by policies, projects, and partnerships for talents to actually be developed in africa that is the actual problem it's not about employability right um so while exploring the existing models to solve the problem we arrived at a sustainable approach which was innovative rather than inventive because we discovered that more than the need for an living environment was the need for an ecosystem to host drive and sustain that living environment that we are seeking to design this led to an eureka moment that defined how we built the systems behind student build africa as we as we adopted ecosystemic thinking to define its purpose and strategic framework. Now, what I was trying to say there is that after analyzing all the business models for the airtech market, we noticed that because of the immaturity, right, of the market at that time, we needed to think differently. We needed to approach creating purpose and the strategic framework for the company, for the solution through ecosystemic thinking, right? We needed to create an ecosystem of our own, right? If we're going to be able to what drive revenue and profitability, for the solution that was what i was trying to establish here and to get clarity on that um you can check student builds um medium page the, the first two articles on the page about bridging african talent a lot of that i developed that to properly explain how we were thinking about the solution so um, um or maybe i'll even just share that with everyone in the program so you can read the article and see what we're trying to do as student build and how we're able to apply ecosystemic thinking right so ecosystemic thinking refers to the process of combining conceptual, strategic, and practical processes to define an abstraction adopted to design and develop a complex network of interconnected systems to achieve a predefined outcome or outcomes, objectives, or set of objectives or goals or goals. Okay, right. So most of this, right, is where we deal with the theoreticals, right? Um, what is ecosystemic thinking? So let me try and simplify this. There's something called an abstraction. Right, an abstraction is just um, an, an it's just a representation, right, of the systems that make up an outcome. This is very 
relate this is very on if you're a programmer then you understand abstractions deeper but abstractions don't just exist in the world of programming and technology yeah it exists in everything for example the concept of of um of of thinking thinking is an abstraction right but the systems under thinking is what your understanding of language your understanding of concepts your understanding of language i'm sorry i said language your understanding of words your understanding of letters those are the systems under what the abstraction that is thinking if i say you should explain to me what is thinking you cannot specifically explain to me what thinking is but you can explain to me what thinking is um, how thinking is right what the processes of thinking is so that is what an abstraction is so ecosystemic thinking is also like that is what an abstraction of its own where you are developing a system made up of independent systems working together they look disconnected but they are contributing towards what a set of objectives or ideas or outcomes so the difference between ecosystemic thinking and systemic thinking is that for systemic thinking systemic thinking has interconnected systems like now for example your body right applies systemic thinking your heart cannot function without your brain your brain cannot function without your leg your leg cannot function without your hand your hand cannot function without your liver that is what systemic thinking it works as a system one is dependent on the other but for ecosystemic thinking everything is independent of the other everything can survive without the other but when they are working together they out they define what an outcome so that's the difference between ecosystemic thinking and thinking so for example ecosystemic thinking is something like um something like um okay like now for your laptop uh -huh, exactly a desktop right is systemic thinking but your laptop is ecosystemic thinking because most of these things exist outside of this system but your desktop cannot work if there's no cpu your cpu cannot work if there's no keyboard your keyboard cannot you understand so that is that's the difference between systems thinking and ecosystemic thinking so that is why in the world today most businesses most sustainable businesses are thinking more of what ecosystemic thinking and that systemic thinking i think i beat that one enough so that is what i was trying so this part is, is very theoretical and very technical i understand but i just broke it down uh, to simple frameworks right so i'm just going to read that part and we'll move on so that's all i was trying to explain about ecosystemic thinking here right so let me read that again ecosystemic thinking refers to the processes to the process rather of combining conceptual so these things are actually very theoretical. So that means they actually have to follow these processes. So number one, you have to combine what concepts. Now number two, you have to concept. Um, you have to combine what strategy, and what you have to now combine it into what processes. So ecosystemic thinking refers to the process of combining conceptual, strategic, and practical processes to define what an abstraction. Adopted to what design. So. You use it to what? define what an abstraction. So the combination of those concepts, strategies, and practical processes would what form an abstraction. That abstraction is now what you now use as your base, as the foundation to what design and develop and develop complex network of inter of interconnected systems, complex network or what? In so it can be a network of interconnected systems to achieve a predefined. So you have to define the outcome before the design. That is the difference, right? So to achieve a predefined outcome objective 
or set of objectives or goals. So the purpose is to adopt an indirect and creative approach. So that means something has to be created, right? To design a related set of interdependent structures. You know, as I've already explained, in ecosystem, they have to be interdependent. They have to what, exist on their own, but have a way of what they are connected to each other, but they can exist without the other. So let me bring it into um, student build. So for, for example, student build has what? Student build incubator, student build community, right? And student build um, summit. So the summit is a project on its own, but it's very connected to what? The community. The community is a separate project on its own. It can run on its own, but it's what? It's directly linked to what? The incubator. How is it linked? The incubator is free. Right, you can, you can, you can. You just all you need to do to, to be part of the incubator is what is to apply. So once you can fit the application form, so the, the incubator is zone is standard. It doesn't need any other. The community is just what a content-driven network of undergraduate students across Africa sharing and developing ideas based on what competencies needed for the future, um, for for the tech ecosystem. Right, so it's just a simple network of people discussing, sharing ideas, learning together, having debates, having forums. Right, so it exists independent of itself. But what we do creatively with ecosystem ecosystemic thinking is that once you are in the community, you are being prepared to be part of what the incubator, but you don't have to be what part of the incubator. Does that make sense? The project summit is bringing students from across the globe to discuss a central idea. So that can happen independent of the incubator. That can happen independent of the community. But what makes it join together is that students who make up the community are the ones driving the conversations in what the projects in, in the summit. So I hope you understand ecosystemic thinking now. That was what, so it is what a defined, so what is the defined outcome to what change the narrative. So all of this system were defined to what solve that problem or that defined outcome and objective of what changing the narrative. If you understand what I've been saying so far, let me know in the comment section and just say you understand or go, 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 go. So that I can jump right into the next concept. Right? Let me know in the comment section if that if if all of those concepts are understood. All right. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much for letting me know. All right. So let's jump right into the article. All right. So the purpose, okay, so um, yeah, so as I said, the purpose is to adopt an indirect and creative approach to design. So in ecosystemic thinking, things have to be created. You cannot, you cannot carry something from something else when you're doing ecosystemic thinking. You have to design, you can innovate, right? But you are more driven by creation. You have to create something based on what an abstraction you've already defined. So the purpose is to adopt an indirect and creative approach to design a, a, a related set of interdependent structures functioning independently to contribute to the achievement of a vision of mission. So just as I, as I explained, the vision was what? To change the narrative. So we need to create this independent system. That's what I was trying to say, say here. In ecosystemic thinking, we employ what? Cognitive and creative tools to develop and implement a solution made of a combination of independently moving parts bridged together to align, um, to align towards the outcome of the thinking process. That is, it's the context where the sum of the parts makes the whole and the whole only exists on account of the submission of the parts. So what this means is when you create an ecosystem through ecosystemic thinking, right? The ecosystem only exists because what? 
those independent systems exist. If you remove the independent, um, if the independent systems start to function separately, right, the ecosystem will cease to exist. But when they start to operate together, right, you have an ecosystem. That's what I was trying to, to explain there, right? That where is the place where what the sum of the parts. So the parts exist, but until you sum the parts, that's when you get the whole. And the whole only exists when you sum the parts. That's what I was trying to say, right? So do you recall the first time you saw a visited exactly? So I love this, this, this example I gave, right? Just think of an amusement park. If you've been to a, a Papa amusement park or any amusement park, you know that the rides are separate. You don't have to go to one before you can go to one. You can go to the roller coaster and only play on the roller coaster and you know you've what, been to the amusement park. You can go to the bumpy cars. You can go to the horse rides. You can go to the place where you just buy candy floss. If you have been to your amusement park, just let me know in the chat section and share your ideas and share your excitement for being to an amusement park. I love amusement parks when I was young, so we used to go frequently, especially the one close to Silverbed um, Cinema. So if you remember amusement parks, or you can Google it if you've not been to one, and look at an amusement park, that is an ecosystem. It's an amusement ecosystem, right? The, the rides and all of that are independent of each other, but, they, 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 but together they form what? The amusement park. That's what I was trying to say here, right? So I was saying, do you recall the first time you saw a visited an amusement park or theme park with so many rides and activities that require you to buy candy floss? Uh, candy floss. I, I really like candy floss then. As much as you were buying tickets for the rides you eventually chose to take. So, or arrangement of a buffet. This is another one. At least if you're a foodie like me, if you cannot relate to an amusement park, you can, re you can relate to, to food. So the way you see a buffet, the reason why it's called a buffet is not because of one dish. It's because what? There are different dishes presented together. Boy's dish can be eaten alone. So I think by now, I think I've stressed what ecosystem thinking is. So once you think of ecosystem, think amusement parks, think buffets. You understand the concept already. Right? So I said here, do you recall the first time you saw visited um, an amusement or theme park with so many rides and activities that require you to buy candy floss as much as you were buying tickets for the rides you eventually chose to take? Or the arrangement of a buffet at a dinner party that makes your stomach growl from the visual victual delight. Victual delight just means food. Victual just means victual just means food. So it means the arrangement of the food, you know, that makes your stomach <laughs> makes your stomach growl. So ecosystemic thinking seeks to answer questions like how can we design the mission plus for a buffet? So the mission plus is just a French-inspired word meaning the arrangement, right? The arrangement um, of the food, right? for a buffet that can cater to the needs of a defined set of people at the most affordable prices on demand. So ecosystemic thinking is how do you create a, a, a so in the concept of student build, right, or in the concept of the venture matrix is how do you create a buffet, right, that, that caters towards this defined set of people, this defined set of stakeholders, which are what the undergraduates community, the host community, and then um, the state's community, and then the national community. Right, so how do you design um, a, a, a buffet that is what affordable but what um, quality and, and can meet the demand? Right, so the ecosystemic thinking and design apply. So, this is yeah, so that's what I'm saying that that's the ecosystemic thinking and design applied in its most relatable form. So, if you read, if you are going back to this article and you read it and it's too complex to understand the concept of ecosystemic thinking, just think of amusement parks and think of buffets, right. 
So in the reference case for Student Build Africa, we designed an ecosystem of about four major initiatives with three launched in Q1, Q2, and Q3, um, uh, um, respectively, right? Which is what? The SB Incubator, the SB Community, and the SB Summit, respectively. So the non-consumer dominates markets for the, for the talent supply value chain host peculiar market conditions that requires the adoption of ecosystemic thinking to define the business model. So this line was targeted at people who want to build solutions or who want to um, invest in solutions. That if you are investing in the edtech market, build a business model that applies ecosystemic thinking. That is how you'll be able to generate revenue. That's how you'll be able to generate um, investor returns. That's how you'll be able to maximize your capital and what enjoy the market opportunity. So this came. This same thinking model is the driving force behind the design of the Venture Matrix for the Future of Africa. So in designing the Venture Matrix for the Future of Af Africa, ecosystemic thinking was applied throughout. That is why it looks like it was easy to design, right? So this same, but it was, it was not that easy, right? <laughs> it, it took a lot of time. But I'm just saying it's because I was able to understand ecosystemic thinking and apply it to this approach. That is why it's very, that's why I can wake up from sleep. You can wake me up from sleep and I'll be able to tell you this thing from my head. I don't have to see any paper because what I understand ecosystemic thinking in its basicest of form. So this in or in the most basic form, sorry, it said basicest. <laughs> Interesting. So this same thinking model is the driving force behind the design of the venture matrix for the future of Africa as expressed through series one to five. You should read in that order to get the best experience. So what I was trying to say is yeah, please to properly understand this project, you have to read it as a sequence. You have to re read it. Um, one by one so you have to start you can't just jump anyone and just start reading for you to, pro to properly understand the concepts you have to start from series one then finish that one then series two then series three that is why they are arranged like this right even in this video series right you need to re to start listening in from series one then series two to properly grasp the idea right that is why only leaders who have finished this whole sequence right will be involved in the planning of the petition campaign in getting the funding for their school to fund students who have ideas and all of that. So that is why it is very, very essential, very, very important that you go through all the series properly, right? And send in your review so that we can understand that you understand, so that we can um, establish that you understand the concepts behind this. So that we will not just give you resources and then, you know, everything we're saying is like ABC, is like uh, French. So the ecosystem within the venture matrix for the future of Africa combines the abstractions that define the sum of the parts comprising the complex multi-stakeholder and multi-dimensional relations between the stages of development, the enabling environment, and the rise of institutions, employing the archetypal three Ps, which are policies, projects, and partnerships to achieve the desired outcome of a transformative economy. So the desired outcome that we, are, that we applied ecosystemic thinking for the venture matrix of the future of Africa is to what arrive at a transformative economy right so the vision is already defined we just want a transformative economy that is inclusive growth inspired and what's sustainable so that is what self-sustaining and what's self-sufficient so that was what i was trying to explain here that the abstraction the mission rather for this um sorry the the, the ecosystem right the venture matrix this whole seven series is what is a body of the abstractions right that can be used by anyone, anywhere, anytime to develop a transformative economy for any nation, especially if they're in Africa. That is what I was trying to explain here, right? That the abstraction, right, as we've understood the concept of abstraction, right, the underlying systems, right, 
is outlined in this project, right? So any nation, any government, any student can read this thing and understand how they can transform their undergraduate community into an economic super engine. That's what I was trying to say there, right? That it has been laid here for anybody to see it and run with it. I'm not trying to hold it to myself. I'm doing this for, for leaders to rise up and take action. That's what I was trying to say in that um, paragraph. So there are three types of ecosystems, which are what? Structured ecosystems, unstructured ecosystems, and hybrid or fluid ecosystems. The major difference between them is the what? The degree of response. So how you differentiate structured, unstructured, and hybrid uh, ecosystems are what? The degree of response to the speed, scope, and size of change. Simply put, what that is saying is that the difference between structured, unstructured, and hybrid is that the longer you go from structured to unstructured and to hybrid, is, is what higher the degree of, of, of their response to the speed, scope, and size of change, right? And if you go from hybrid to structured, is what is lower. So it's, let me simplify it. In structured, right, the degree of response to speed and scope and size of change is what is very low. In unstructured, it is what it is higher. In hybrid, it is the highest. Do you understand? That's what I'm saying, right? That the response, the degree of response is higher the more you move up or you move through these different types of ecosystems. So in structured ecosystems, they are designed to pose a barrier to change due to the nature of the outcome, right? That the, there's already a defined outcome. So that's why the ecosystem is already is, is fixed. It's already designed that is not designed to change, right? Just like our educational system, just like, you know, most of the systems that we see around, right? It is defined by what? By parameters. As I said here, it is defined by parameters and standards designed to maintain what's the status quo required to achieve the established desired outcome. They are deliberately built to achieve a predefined outcome through a predefined approach. So example for this is what is a car. A car is already a designed ecosystem, right? You cannot, you can upgrade a car. Yes. Right. But in its primary form for the context of use here, a car is like a structured ecosystem, right? Where there are different independent parts, right? Working together, right? For a desired outcome to maintain that same outcome that what? Once you press brake, your car moves. Do you understand? You cannot, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot change that car to a Hoover car or you cannot change it to a jet. So that is why it's called a structured ecosystem. In unstructured ecosystems, well, unstructured ecosystems are designed to explore and exploit change following the framework of nature's ecosystem. So an example of, of unstructured ecosystems is human, is human nature, is, is nature, as you see it, right? The different environments of terrestrial, aquatic, and um, amphibian um, environments and all of those environments um, and all of those, um, all of those ecosystems play together. That's an, um, 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 an unstructured ecosystem, right? So you can look out and you can see an unstructured ecosystem with how the grasses grow, how the birds fly, how human beings replicate themselves. That's an unstructured ecosystem, right? So this ecosystem is boundless and it's transient. So it's always on the move. It's always changing. It's always moving, right? It is open to change and adapts quickly. There are no defined parameters or standards. Like now you cannot define um, how much human beings are going to um, um, grow or how much they are going to die, you can only give as a what a statistics or a projection. You cannot really give a specific um, number because it's an unstructured system. Somebody can just vex now and just enter his house and say, oh, he wants to give birth to 10 children. 
right? Except there are strict regulations, country policies, and all of that to regulate that, right? That is why, you know, that's why when you learn about the hybrid, you understand the difference clearer. So there are def there are no defined parameters or standards, but the independent but the, but the interdependent structures are regulated by the quality of the outcome. So as I said, right, the quality of the outcome is what defines that ecosystem. For example, if you notice now that there's too much people, um, like, like how they did in China, that there was too much population. So they did population control by saying you can only give birth to what one child per time, right? So it's the quality of the outcome that defines what the ecosystem itself. So that's what an, eco an unstructured ecosystem is, right? So there are no defined parameters or standards, but... The, the, the interdependent structures are regulated by the quality of the outcome. So it is the quality of the outcome that regulates the unstructured ecosystem. In this structure, the end justifies the means, not the means justifying the end. So in structured environments, in structured ecosystems, the means what define the end. But in unstructured ecosystems, the end defines the means, right? Now, but in hybrid or fluid ecosystems, this is the combination of structured and unstructured ecosystems, right? This ecosystem is built to respond to change by what? By creating it and what? Sustaining it within a defined outcome. So the outcome, it remains defined, right? Compared to unstructured, where is the outcome, the quality of the outcome that defines the ecosystem? No, in, in a fluid or hybrid ecosystem, the outcome is already defined. Like in, the, in, like in this case, the um, Venture Matrix for the Future of Africa ecosystem um, 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 defined outcome is what? A transformative economy. That's where all this is going to end where we have an economy that is inclusive, an economy that is sustainable, and an economy that is focused on growth and is growing rapidly and steadily and consistently, right? So the outcome is still defined, right? But the method keeps changing. That's just the difference between, um, um, that's just what makes hybrid really interesting, right? So the focus of this ecosystem is on the process and not the end. The system seeks to adopt the simplest and most efficient way to achieve an outcome but can create an outcome. So an outcome can change, but it is fixed. See, for example, in, the, in, in, this, in this ecosystem, right, we can have a trans transformative economy, but that transformative economy can change as long as what the fundamental principles remain the same. So let's say we do these systems very well, Africa becomes prosperous. So what now becomes the next thing? We're still looking for what? A prosperous Africa, but in a different context. It's no longer going to be about this same level that we are at, that we at. That's what it means by the outcome can be created. But what? The outcome is already defined. We need an Africa that is prosperous, right? So I hope that's simple to understand, right? So this ecosystem is most suitable for designing the venture missions for the future of Africa. These models of ecosystemic thinking designs will be better discussed yeah, of course, in this video series that I was talking about, which we're having now, I will also be better discussed in the book that will be published in the last week of September, right? I just needed to remind us about that. So, to understand the immense possibilities and unlocked potential for opportunities of this hybrid or fluid ecosystem is to zoom in on the story from the already existing unstructured ecosystem I explored in the undergraduate community in Ilefe through a project I started in 2018 called Business Tasting. So what I was trying to say is I started a, a, a project in 2018 called Business Tasting where I wanted to bridge the gap between what the customer understood about business and what the business actually was. Simply as, as simply put as that. So I called it Business Tasting, which was inspired by the concept of wine tasting. So I wanted to just 
I'll just visit a business. So how I used to do it is I'll just visit a business. I will not talk to the business owner. I'll not talk to anybody. I'll just do like a normal customer. But I'm very observant and perceptive of what is going on. And I can pick on business principles and write, write about it for people to quickly understand what is going on in the business and appreciate the business better. Right? So I did one of that for one of the businesses that we're going to be using as a case study, right? For the unstructured ecosystem for value creation that currently exists, which is what students who are already building businesses, students who are already solving solutions, students who are already exploring market opportunity, students who are already, you know, explore, exploring the kind of ideas explore, um, explained in the venture matrix for the future of Africa project, right? So I did that through what business tasting. So you can check my Instagram at Caesar Sadiq. Caesar underscore Sadiq, C-Z-A-R underscore S-A-D-I-Q to see some of the pieces I did. I, I, I work with big brands and small brands um, to tell their stories, right? So you can read, yeah, so there's a piece on the article where you can read the first piece I did, right? And others on my Instagram. So they're all on my Instagram. So I got excited engaging the story of Bolahon Odushina, who was a 500-level student of civil engineering and in 2019, built a business that generated, um, was it 4.1 million naira in revenue? Okay, yes, 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 I remember now. So I got excited engaging the story of Bolan Odushino, a 500-level student of civil engineering, who in 2019, so between 2019 and 2020, his business had generated, who in 2019 built a business that generated 4.1 million naira in revenue. A student who was doing 4.1 million naira in yearly revenue, right? And he started his business in 2019. That is just a year ago. And it was not even the full year he started. I think he started, I think we'll see when he started, right? And he was already doing 4.1 million Naira in revenue. And his profit was 2.6 million going to his pocket. After he has paid salaries, paid for everything, a student, just one student was doing 4.1 million. So imagine when we create this enabling environment, how much students can generate and how much their lives can be better. Imagine, you know, don't worry, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get right into it, right? So in 2019, he built a business that generated 4.1 million naira in revenue at a profit of 2.6 million naira by December 2019, which he built out of a one-week apprenticeship and YouTube videos. So this business, he actually just did apprenticeship for one week and he was watching YouTube videos and he built a business. And what was the business? The business was just delivering small chops, right? And, you know, small chops business. This is small chops that you eat at weddings. He decided to democratize access to. Can you remember what I said about democratizing access as as how we will build businesses that solve social problems? So his own pro, his own was just ah, why do we have to wait for wedding before we can enjoy puff puff spring roll chicken and gizzard and gizdodo? Why not just package it for students to buy anytime they want and on demand? That was just the simple idea that generated 1.1 million naira, right? In about eight months, actually, in about just eight months. I don't know how much he's doing now under COVID because he's still making money because I was still with him some weeks ago, right? I had to, I had to revisit and get his consent before I could share this. So we, we still talked. So Bolan started a business that provided customers with small chops on demand compared to the existing method of pre-ordering the small chops at the time. So one thing that was smart was that small chops was already a market in OAU, in Ife here. Right, but the thing is that people had to pre-order. So you call the person and say, "Oh, I want small chops." So they will not make it for you, and then bring it to you. Right, but what it did differently was what democratized the access, where you don't have to pre-order. There is a stand opposite school gates. You just go to a stand, order, buy, buy your small chops. It packs it for you um, nicely, and then you can go home 
in the, with a pack. So it was really interesting. It was like it was like doing a KFC for small chops. So it was really it was really a smart, brilliant idea, and it was really amazing. So it started the business. Yeah. So now we 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 we'll get into details. It started the business actually in April 2019 with just a capital of 150,000 naira. That's all, and it grew it into business with minimal sales of so. His minimal sales daily was 15 customers. Imagine, imagine investing capital in that business to increase um, supply where you can start doing maybe 30 customers daily or even 50 or even 100 customers daily. Imagine the market of OAU, which has, what, 30,000 students and is doing only 15. Imagine increasing that number and then expanding to other schools. Imagine what that would do for... Ah, let me know. You know, so this is really exciting. We really need to get this done. Right? So he recognized an opportunity in the small chops market, inspired by visits to Lagos, and decided to risk doing it differently. Remember when we're talking about ground, ground breakers um, and the wave, right? That most of them are inspired by what? A different reality, um, the need for survival, or just, you know, remember, just read that piece. You remember this time, right? So he was just inspired by, you know, he was visiting Lagos a lot, and he noticed that small chops is a normal thing in Lagos. Why can't we have it in Nifet? So he noticed that he wasn't going to access the life he wanted through civil engineering's market barriers to entry. Meaning that civil engineering was already was a structured ecosystem. There were things you needed to do, right? If you don't get it right in, 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 in civil engineering, you cannot really, you know, get the kind of life you want. You know, if you didn't have a good grade, you know, you know and those are the kind of things he was having because he needed to survive, right? So, owing to his graded academic performance, right? So, he was able to employ staff and he was paying staff 15,000 naira to 20,000 naira was paying two staffs between April and December 2019. Now, this story looks random. Like, 20,000 Naira is a small money now. Like, who would be happy being paid 20,000 Naira? But let's get into the economics of 20,000 Naira, right? Being paid to people who were not students, who were indigenous, right? This story looks typical until you observe the environment within which he was doing this business and the deterrent agonist that makes the story come alive, right? Which is what? The Dragway community and those community. In the so what that simply means is that the people he employed and he was paying 20,000 naira and 50,000 naira were actually indigenous who were not university students, who had not actually either they who had either only had secondary school education, right, or were to, to complete dropouts and all of that. So those are the guys he employed and he was paying them 20,000 naira. 20,000 naira were in a place the highest cost you can pay on transport is 50 naira, the highest cost you can spend on food. Good food, you can get good food for at least for maybe 200 to 500 naira here in Ife, right? So imagine that and removing that from 20,000 naira. Let's say the, the guy even, you know, he pays, he pays, um, um, you know, transportation cost of 50 naira or 100 naira. Let's even make it worst case scenario 100 naira every day for 30 days, right? That is just um, 100 naira for 30 days. That is just, I think, 300 or 3,000. Sorry, that's 3,000 naira. Right, so that's three thousand naira spent on transport alone. Let's say he um, spends money on feeding, right? Another five thousand naira, or let's even say, um, yeah, another five thousand naira. So that's eight thousand naira in total. Let's say other miscellaneous, right? He spends ten thousand naira, right? Let's say he's a, he's a, he's a survivor, is a is the breadwinner of the family, pays another five thousand naira to the family. So he has five thousand naira to save. Five thousand naira save over a year, right? Or over a period of time, we'll give him enough money to pay for school fees or something, you know, to learn a new skill, to get a, a degree or something, you know, or something, you know, it, it's just, it's just accessible. But that's just even from one business, right? That was what I was trying to explain 
by the economics of that. So there are more stories like Bolaons, but they are undiscovered because the economic environment isn't enabling, right? For that. So that is just for a traditional business. Imagine a tech business being built here in Ife, where there's more, at least more than average constant light for you to develop your code and all of that, where the rent is cheap. Cost of rent is really cheap in Ife. You can get a really good place for between 150,000 naira for or to, to 200,000 naira for a whole year, and you get all the utilities, you get good roads, and the security is, is, is really sane. Um, they are, they are, they are robberies sometimes, as in any other place, but it's really, really low here, right? Because most times, all of those things happen when students are actually very much around, and the, this environment is very deeply dependent on students. That is why I really would, uh, that's why I'm, I'm really invested in deploying this venture matrix in OAU first because it's a very it's a very um, adaptable model, right? The whole of IFE's economy is built on students. Once students go home, IFE becomes dead, right? And it's, mo it's, it's mostly like that for most other um, universities across, across the world, across, sorry, across Africa, across Nigeria, at least that I know of, right? So there are more stories like Bonaons, but the, uh, that I undiscovered, but as I said, so there's a flip side to this story. As I came in contact with two young teenagers, Emmanuel, who was 18 years old, and Ismail, who was 19 years old, who stay in Modakeke, a town in the Lefe community, and had to fend for themselves through whichever means was available as the days unfold. They had to drop out of secondary school because they could not afford to pay the school fees, but provide a pool of human resource labor that's untapped. This story reflects the segment of the local community that will benefit the most from a business case such as balance if an enabling environment is as, is as described in series The Matrix, in series three, the matrix where the reality, what I was trying to simply say here is, so the flip side of that story, right, is that there are young people here, aged 18, 19, you know, able-bodied young people who are dropouts from secondary school. That means they don't even, they've not even had an opportunity to even vie for, for university education at all, right? If, a business such as Bolaons, which is even a very traditional and basic business, can employ two of them. Imagine we had more enabling environments that can produce more Bolaons faster. That means we can employ more of these young people so that they will not be miscreants in the society, begging for food everywhere, or being involved in, um, in violent or negative um, uh, activities, right? That's what I was trying to simply explain here. Now, we'll solve unemployment issues radically, right? Because even those guys will not need so much skill or they can be trained to have skills that student-owned um, uh, businesses would need. This same applies to fashion businesses here in Ife. Most of them, although they employ their fellow students, but at least they should start thinking of employing indigenous labor. So they can train these indigenous how to, you know, be more invested in vocational skills, um, fashion designing skills, so they can at least fend for themselves. You know, paying them 15 and 20,000 naira is actually very business viable or 25,000, 30,000 naira, depends on how well your business is doing or the market you are playing in within your environment. That's what I was trying to just simply bring to the fore there. And it also shows the buying power of students in the university, right? That students can actually pay for some products if the product actually gives them value, right? So imagine small jobs generating revenue of 4.1 million naira yearly. That's small jobs that people can eat or they, do, they don't even eat on a normal day, right? of doing actual businesses that actually solve actual problems the revenue income and you know to profitability will be crazy that's why we really 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 need to deploy this venture matrix um, across our university communities right
So the creation of an enabling environment within the undergraduate community and rise of institutions employing the three Ps to create this hybrid of fluid ecosystem is what we need to achieve a 10 times result economy and create more balance within the local communities through what our universities. That's what I was trying to, that's what I've explained um, in that commentary, right? So to round up, right? Again, I'm on time today, rounding up by exactly five o'clock. The core outcome for the design of this seemingly complex ecosystem is the actualization of a transformative economy, which we described in series two as an economy characterized by sustainable growth and inclusion driven by what an economic in engine built from social innovation and enterprise to democratize economic power for every stakeholder within the value chain. The venture matrix for the future of Africa has relayed a proposed design. So this is just a proposed design, right? You can think through these things with me and come up with your own project. I don't mind. I really like to read it and see it, right? But this is my own proposition, right? Is that it's a related pro proposed design for the attainment of this ecosystem between series two and five. In series six, the transformative economy will be exploring the possibility of the implementation of the proposed venture matrix for the future of Africa using Obafemi Awolowo University in Lafayette State as a case study and its route to a transformative economy. So I hope today you've been impressed with the ideas of how real this is and how viable this is and how transformative this would affect our current economic reality and position us as young people to take hold of the future of Africa and lead Africa into its prosperous destiny. All right, thank you so much for joining in today. I hope you have a great time. I believe in your ability to create the future. Thank you so much. So again, today, we're very, very right on time. Um, we finished exactly by five o'clock.